Has anyone here seen God? Anyone? In your dreams? Visions? No? My mom, one, one morning, um, I was 10, 15, I don't remember exactly when, but my mom walked the whole family up. Back then in Korea, we used to sleep in one room. So it was dad, mom, my sister, and I. We were all sleeping in one bedroom. And she woke up in the middle of the night, I mean, early morning, like maybe 4.35 in the morning, and she was crying. And in my young mind, I didn't know what was going on, and I was listening to her, and she was talking to everyone. I remember vividly, she said, she saw Jesus coming in the cloud. And she said something about whether she was wondering where the whole family was or something, but she was really alert. She was happy to see Jesus at the same time, but she was alert that, you know what, Jesus is coming very soon. And I was thinking to myself, man, how come I never have a dream like that? How come I could never see Jesus in my dream or in, in real person or something? But wouldn't it be nice if you see Jesus, like his face? What would you do if you see him? If you actually sit down and think about it, what would you do if you see Jesus for the first time? Wouldn't that be awesome? We see a story of two young people, two gentlemen who went up. They were chosen, and they, they went up to see God. And we hear what happens to them afterwards. I want to read from the Exodus chapter 24, verses 9 through 11. It says, Then Moses went up, to, went up with Aaron and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. Stop right there. They saw who? God of Israel. They went up to the mountain, and they saw God. And I'll go on. It says, Under his feet was the work like a pavement made of sapphire, as clear as the sky itself. But God did not lay his hand on the nobles of Israel. They saw him, they ate and drank. So they ate and drank the food that God provided for them up on the mountain, and they saw God in his glory. If you can be chosen to go to the Olympics, wouldn't that be nice? If you can represent something, if you can go and sing a song, or if you can go and, and do something, and you get the spotlight and your name on the screen, the, the whole world sees you, wouldn't that be awesome opportunity? That's exactly what happened to them. Out of two million people, Nadab and Abihu, their names were mentioned in the Bible. And all the other people that went with them, what did they say? Were their names mentioned? No, it doesn't say. Okay, so Moses and Aaron went up, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 other people. So who were more important, Nadab and Abihu or 70 other elders? I mean, those people that went up and saw God and ate the food that God prepared for them, it was an awesome opportunity. It was great. But how about having your name up front? It's like Joshua and the rest of the group. Like your name is mentioned. You're special. You're chosen. You're picked. And they would have been proud. Like, oh, man, I am picked out of all these people. They can't do this. I am there, but I'm at the front, I'm at the front line. My name's up there. 
it would be great. That's who they were. They had so much potential. They, had, they were right in the spotlight, middle of the stage, in the center of all the attention. That's who they were. Now, who were they? Nadab and Abihu, who were they? Sons of Aaron. So they were Moses' nephews. And these were the next priests. And they were ordained. And the ordination lasted for how long? Seven days. My ordination lasted about an hour. But hour and 30 minutes. That's including me sharing my testimony for about 15 minutes. And someone else coming up speaking for about 20 minutes. And one special song of all the pastors in SoCal area, they came up and sang a song for like three minutes. And all the picture sharing and, you know, like ordination prayer lasted for like maybe three minutes to five minutes. So my ordination lasted like an hour and 30 minutes, and I was so pumped up, and I was so blessed. I was happy to see all the church members and all my friends. It was great. It was great. But their ordination lasted how many? Seven days. Very, very special occasion. The first set of priests dedicating, being dedicated for God's work. Seven days. And God showed his glory. You know what happened at the end of the seven days? The Bible says you have to bring these sacrifices. So the cows, the, the, the lamb, sacrifices were brought out. And at the end of the prayer, the sacrifice, what happened? The Bible says fire came out from the presence of God and consumed the sacrifice. The fire came from where? The presence of God. Presence of God. Where is that? Where is the presence of God demonstrated in the camp of Israel? Where is it? In the tabernacle, sanctuary. And particularly, what department? What compartment? The holy of holies, the most holy place. The Shekinah glory where the presence of God is. And on top of the sanctuary is the cloud where it shows God's presence is. So wherever you are pitched in the tent, you can see the temple of God and the presence of God in the cloud. And you can obviously see the pillar of fire and the cloud of fire, cloud, the pillar of cloud and pillar, pillar of fire, but the presence of God was there right in the center of the camp. And the fire came from there. It's just like the movie scene. Have you seen those computer graphic effects where the fire will come from heaven like and consuming everything? And they saw that, and you were right there at in front of everyone. Everyone else, they saw the fire coming. They heard something, and they heard people, like, giving glory to God and hallelujah, praising. And they were right, like, everyone was all the way in the back. Like, what, what just happened? There was no TV. There was no big screen like, like we saw at Oshkosh. You can see everything on the large screen. But over there in the Israelites, the camp, they couldn't see anything. Like, oh, I think I heard something. Hey, what happened? They saw something, and then they all say, oh, the fire came from the sanctuary and it burned the sacrifice. Oh, and then they tell next person, like, fire came out from the sanctuary and, and burned the sacrifice. They told everyone until you get to the last person. It's like, oh, that's what happened. And then by the time, it's already over, right? That's exactly what happened. But 
native in Abihu, because they were right in the spotlight, right in the center, they saw exactly what happened. And they were the ones who were being dedicated, ordained. They were special people. They were chosen people. Seven days of ordination. And that fire that came out, by the way, it was around the time of 1500 BCE, around the time of Moses. And that fire that God ignited, it wasn't man ignited, it was God ignited, that fire. Do you know how long the children of Israel kept that fire going, that holy fire, sacred fire going? Until the destruction of Solomon's temple. That's about 587, 586 BCE. That's for more than a thousand years. About a thousand years, they kept that fire going. Meaning that fire didn't die out. That fire that came from the holy place to dedicate the first patch, patches of the priests was kept for more than a thousand years. That's how sacred that fire is. And now these two young men who had so much potential, so much great vision in that and, and ambition in their heart, they were ready to serve God. Now they are dedicated, ready to do God's work. And do you know what happened to them the next chapter? Chapter 10 of Leviticus. And that's, that was a scripture reading that we just read, so I'm not going to read it again. But those people, those two young men, they go out and they bring in what? The Bible says strange fire or a common fire. Now, picture this. So they bring in the strange fire, and if you were to bring sacrifice... What's that time that they give sacrifice? Do they just go and give sacrifice any time of the day? When is that time? Morning and evening sacrifice. I don't know if that was morning time or evening time. But it was their turn, the, the priest's turn to go and give sacrifice. That means there are people that are attending and watching your service. Everyone on camp. They stop what they're doing, and they're paying attention to what's going on. Just like Jewish people, they give their prayer three times a day. It is their time of prayer. It's time of giving sacrifice. So when everyone is gathered together to watch what they're going on with their uh, freshly uh, ordained priests, giving their sacrifice, probably their first sacrifice, because day seven has just passed, and this is day eight. Leviticus chapter 10 says, day 8, Moses ordered them to give sacrifice. And these two young men, instead of giving what the instruction says to bring the, the holy fire and give the incense and sacrifice, they bring in what fire? The strange fire, as the King James Version says, or a common fire, meaning not the fire taken from the fire that God had blessed with, God has provided. They brought in just a common fire. Now, question. When everybody else looked in the incense, when they brought in the fire, did it look any different? Does the holy fire look any different than the regular fire? No. The holy fire 
looks much bigger? It burns purple? No. It looks exactly the same as a regular fire. So when people thought, when people saw these two priests bringing the fire, bringing in the fire, they didn't see it, they didn't see any difference. They didn't notice any difference. But God knew. And that was so significant enough that they died right there. Can you imagine that? These people, they are ready to worship God and their first freshly ordained priests coming out with their sacrifice, with their fire, and now they're all waiting for the evening sacrifice to be done or morning sacrifice to be done. And then the fire coming from the holy place the fire that just came out yesterday to consume the sacrifice. They came out, the fire came out and consumed, not the sacrifice, but consumed who? The priests and killed them right on the spot. If you were there witnessing the fire coming and burning those two people, they didn't, the fire didn't come and burned up and turned them into ashes. How do we know? Because Moses commands the cousins or the other people to come and take them out, bring their bodies out and bury them outside the camp. So their bodies were not burned up completely. They were killed from the fire, but they didn't get burned up all the way. What happened? What's the reason? We'll see what happened over there. These two young men, they were too eager to do God's work, but they did not obey God's command. Are there some times that you are too eager to do God's work, but you ignore some things? Yes, we could do that. Sometimes you are too eager. Sometimes you are too, so much on fire. Yes, I want to work for God. Yes, I'm on a mission field. Yes, I want to do something for God. But yet you forget to follow God's command and you disobey God. Do we make some, that kind of mistake sometimes? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Sometimes we forget God's command and we just, the passion is driving you too much and then you forget, you ignore some other things. We shouldn't make mistakes like that. But you know what? What's worse is this. These people, had they not known the command of God, had they not been ordained, had they not been trained, then God would not have punished them like that. But these two people, they were the elites. They knew better. God has given them the specific instructions how to follow, what to do. But they ignored God. It wasn't a mistake that they made. If they made a mistake, God would have forgiven them. It wasn't a mistake. How do we know? Because if you follow on the same chapter, Moses gives them the reason why. Why they did that. And here... They brought in the strange fire, meaning ordinary or common fire. And we sometimes make the same mistake. We sometimes do the same thing. When we come to church, 
when we come to this sacred hour of Sabbath, we bring in the thought of common thoughts, strange thoughts. Yes, we are sitting here at God's church. We are here in this holy hour, the Sabbath hour. But what kind of heart do we bring in, do we bring in to worship God? Do we have the heart to worship God and to focus on Him and to praise God and to remember His name? Or do we think about something else? Man, what about the business? What about the unfinished work? What about the other things that we have in our heart? What about other things? All the other thoughts that we have in us. Something that may not be fitting to Sabbath. Something that may, we should leave aside. Something that we should put aside. Do we bring in those thoughts into us, into our hearts when we come to church? And yes, we are singing. Yes, we are praying. Yes, we are sitting here during, during church and worshiping God. But where is our heart? What are we thinking? Are we thinking about your smartphone and your, your phone and your, your other things that you have at home? We shouldn't think about those things. Because people who have the training, people who have been set aside, people who are chosen, God is expecting something greater from all of us. So people who are worshiping Sunday, people who do not know about God, God do not expect those things from, God, from them. But those, those of us who are remnant, who are chosen, who are 70 Adventist people, who have been in faith for a long time, all your life, all this time, God is, is expecting something greater from us. What are we thinking today? Where is our heart? Mind, Character, and Personality, page 557. It says, there must, be, there must not be these efforts made to ape the world's customs. This is common, not sacred fire. Ellen White is saying that we, there must not be these efforts to copy the world's customs or ape, as it says, ape world's customs or monkey others' customs. Do we sometimes try to bring in the world's methods into this church and say, you know what, we want to do this to worship God. We want to copy the world. And because the world is doing so well, they're growing, they're expanding, they're, they're, they're successful. We want to do the same at the church. We want to do something that the world does. But do we bring in, do we bring in something that the world does, copying the world? No, we shouldn't bring in, bring in the strange fire. We should bring in the sacrifice. It may look the same. You may not notice any difference. But it is sacred. It is set aside. It is holy. That's how we should prepare our heart when we come to church. When we bring in, bring in this worship service to God. That's what we should do. And I pray that we would have the same heart, same attitude when we come to church. It is a holy ground. Well, we may not see that because... You know, we are living in this world when we don't obey God. God does, not bring in, God does not bring down the fire from heaven and just bring execution right away. There's no judgment happening right away. But it is the same God. It is the same kind of mistake that we make if we don't do that. You know, disobeying, disobeying the law, that's something that, need to, that we need to be really, really careful Native and Abihu. If you read on, 
the Bible says the mistake that they made was this. What was the mistake that they made? Verse 9 of chapter 10. It says, Moses is giving the instructions. Verse, let me read from verse 8. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons are not to drink wine or other fermented drink whenever you go into the tent of meeting or you will die. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Here's the reason why they got killed. What did they do just before they went into the, to give sacrifice? They were drinking. These pastors, priests, their ordination was the day before. They just finished their ordination. And their first sacrifice, their first office of giving sacrifice, they were what? They were drunk. And they brought in the unholy fire. Unthinkable, unimaginable, unacceptable. You know, people who are there watching them, thinking that God is going to accept their first sacrifice and we are going to be blessed. Instead, the fire comes and kills them. Can you imagine the shock that people had at that time? It would have been just terrifying. But that's exactly what happened because they were drunk. You know, this is actually a very, very scary thought because pastors, I'm talking to myself too. When, when we come to church to, to give sermons or, or um, have, have worship service, a lot of what we do can be done without the Holy Spirit. 90% of what we do, this is what we actually talked about in the seminary, 90% of what we do can be done without the Holy Spirit. Meaning, you do this so many times, you can speak without praying first. And people will still say amen. And people will still say, Pastor, your sermon was great. Church worship was great. Music was awesome. Prayer was great. Everybody had a, had a great worship experience. They will say that. But a lot of times, the Holy Spirit was not there. That's a scary thought. I'm t talking to myself as well. Am I prepared to come and present this message before God? Are you prepared to come and be blessed by God? Do you have the Spirit of God in you? Or are you half drunk? Drunk does not mean you actually had a strong alcoholic beverage before you came to church. I bet nobody had done that here. Or smoke just before coming in here. I don't think anyone had done that. And if you have done so, and if you're still struggling with, with that, may God help you to take care of that problem. But I don't think we have done that. But the issue is that when we come into this, this church, we may not have had drink or a beard or something, but the thoughts that we have in our hearts, the thinking, the attitude, because we have the world's attitude. We have the world's thoughts. And just the location is different, but what we think about is the same. If we do that, when Abai bringing in this strange fire, 
And there is another story in Numbers 15, 31. I'm not going to read this. But there is a story that Moses or the people found somebody picking up sticks on a Sabbath day. Now, if you gather wood, firewood, on Sabbath, is that considered work or not? It is considered work. But you know what God says here? When those people reported that man to Moses, and Moses says, you know what? He has worked on Sabbath. Let's bring every, everyone, let's bring him outside of the camp, and let's stone him to death. And they stoned him to death. For collecting, picking up some sticks on Sabbath? I mean, isn't God too cruel? So if you pick up some sticks on Sabbath, let's say you're hiking, Sabbath hike. Let's go on, on, on hiking. And then kids are like, oh, I want a hiking stick. Well, we didn't bring one. Why don't you just go and pick up a stick? Okay, if you go pick up a stick, oh, that's work. You have to be stoned to death. Is that what happened? That's what it sounds like. Numbers 15.31, it says, because he has collected the sticks on Sabbath, he was stoned to death. Yes, he died on that day. People all went out and stoned him to death. What happened? If you read the Hebrew word there, the Hebrew word of to be cut off, that word is karet, karet. That means high hand. Do you know what that means? Karet, high hand. That means he had purposely rebelled against God. God says, do not work. Don't work on Sabbath. And he says, you know what? You say don't work, I, I don't like you. I'm going to go and do it, do the opposite, exact opposite of what you tell me not to do. That's what he was doing. He had karet or high hand. He needed to be cut off. Because he was purposely going against what God had told him not to do. That's why he was stoned to death. It's not like, oh, was it Sabbath? Oh, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I wasn't thinking. I'm sorry. I, I, no, it wasn't a mere mistake. It was purpose. He planned. He went against, purposely against God's will. And he broke God's Sabbath. And that's why he was stoned to death. Just like these two young men, Nereb and Abahu. Because they knew better, God told them not to do it. And they went ahead and they went and drank. They got drunk and they came into God's church with a strange fire when God told them not to do. They went straight against God's will. How many times do we do that? When we know that we shouldn't do this, when we know that this is not something that we are supposed to do, God tells us not to do this, but we go ahead and do it anyway, knowing that this is breaking God's command. How many times do we do that? Then God's punishment will be upon us. Throughout the day of April 14th, as the Titanic approached the iceberg that would sink her, she received no less than six communications warning her she was entering a dangerous field of ice. I'm talking about Titanic, the famous story. Um, one message from the ship at Lenai via the ship Baltic was posted five hours after it was received. The next was from the ship Californian 
to the ship at uh, Antillian. The message never made it to the captain because it would have interrupted his dinner. Another message from the ship Ashaba was never taken to the captain because the operator was by himself and could not leave his post. Then the final message, again, from the California was cut off in the, in the mid-transmission because the ship's operator was carrying on his own conversation with the commercial traffic. Even after that, the bridge received a warning from the, the Rappanock by the Morse lamp, the light, but they never seemed to heed the warning. So in the sense, Titanic was doomed for destruction um, even before she left the port. So Titanic, before it hit the iceberg and sank, it had how many warnings? Seven. And the six warnings. It had no less than six warnings from different ships, either through the Morse code, Morse lamp, or the, the, the radio code. They received six warnings, but because the captain was having dinner, oh, I can't interrupt his dinner. Or because they were talking to themselves, they didn't carry on the message. Or because he was by himself at the post, they didn't carry on the message. Or he heard it, but he was using another channel, like commercial channels. Like, oh, there's another message coming. Oh, just ignore it. Six warning messages. And Titanic just ignored them all. And then until it hit the iceberg and sank. Do we have warning signs from God and saying that we should, we should dedicate ourselves. We should set aside Sabbath. We should be holy people, God's remnant people, chosen people. But how many times? Let me finish the sermon with this story. In Africa, there were three people that were traveling together in a very, very remote area. No one around there. Three people, three uh, people from America were traveling together. As they were riding their horses, they found a piece of parchment on the ground. And three of them came down. And they were examining, examining the parchment. And one was, was a... Uh, one person was the one who was, uh, who was into a uh, chemist, who, who, in, who was into, like, the ink that was used, the paper that was there, the parchment. He was, he was fascinated by how beautiful the writing was. And then the other person was an artist. And looking at the artist and, and the color contrast of how beautifully it was made, the locals who lived there made such beautiful piece of, of, of art. Like, they were all fascinated by, wow, how beautiful it is, and, and, and like the chemical that was used, the ink that was used, and the color that was used. They both were all fascinated by it. The third one was an archaeologist, and he was able to read whatever the writing was. And he slowly read the few letters that were there. And it says, if anyone enters this territory, your punishment will be death. When the archaeologist found out what their writing was, he said, you know what? We have to get out of this place now. Let's run. And he ran. And he warned the other two friends. And the other two friends ignored the message, and they were reading, wow, this is such a beautiful piece of art. And the other guy was saying, you know what? See, look at the ink. This is the ink that I've never seen before. This is just amazing. While they were fascinated and they were talking about it, they got killed by the locals. How many times does God have to warn us? Sometimes we bring in, bring in the strange fire. Sometimes we disobey the law. Sometimes we 
highly provoke God with a high hand, karat. We do that. So when you bring in the, when you bring in the strange fire, when you disobey the God's law that God has told us not to, uh, obey, not, not to disobey, or when you go against God with high hand or karat, then God's punishment may be upon us. How many of you want to say, you know what? I want to obey God. I want to listen to God. I say, I want to leave aside all the worldly thoughts and worldly things. I want to obey God. How many want to obey God? And I pray that you would have the heart to listen to God and obey God. May God bless us as we obey God and as we take the warning from these two young men and as we come to God, let us obey Him. Let us listen to God and let us leave aside all the worldly things. Put aside all the worldly thoughts, worldly thinking when we come to God. And when we do that, God will bless us. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we pray that if there's any worldly things in our heart, please put that aside. If we cannot put that aside, if we are still loving the worldly things, please give us the heart to put that down. And if we cannot do it ourselves, please help us, Lord, so that we could be set aside, we could be God's people, we could be holy people, thinking of holy things and bringing in holy things into our heart. Please bless us, Lord, so that we would not be perished. We would be your people and we will be your holy people. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise team, please come on up.